Okay, it's e episode 97 of the Chance of Gaming podcast. Uh, I'm Adam, and with me always is Shannon and Roy. Good evening. This well, is Shannon. Hey, boys. No, a long time no talk to you. So, how's everybody going? Doing? That, that is true. I did notice we haven't posted an episode since um, February 13th, I wow. think. Yeah, well, it happens. Well, I'm, Tales I'm of Our Demise are greatly exaggerated. Right. So uh, we have a Patreon, and uh, I'm still working to get Siege of Vicksburg off the ground. I actually, okay, I a friend of my girlfriend's is a uh, event planner, and she was like, why don't you just let mm-hmm. her deal with the headache of talking to these things? And so she's been looking for me, and I told her, like, the local um, convention center will not call me back. And come to find out, she's like, yeah, they only – the reason why they do that is they only want a certain type of clientele. So I don't know what that means, if it's amount of people or you know, more business suits. I don't know, but it still goes. Uh, I looked at another place yes, uh, Friday, and it was awesome. So I should hear back from them on Monday, see if we can come together on price. But, um, yeah, so there you go. You know – I think what you need to do is to say that your convention is like a black tie affair. Like you should have a dress code of, you know, ah. a jacket, ties. Instead of tickets, you can have little like uh, Chance of Gaming, Siege of Vicksburg, little bolo bow ties. Oh, yeah, nice. People can yeah. snap around their necks. And... Why has no one done that? Somebody should, there should be a Texas themed convention should do bolos. Be. That would be so much better than lanyards. God, lanyards suck. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I challenge. I challenge you for your uh, convention center, your convention. <laughs> up, yeah, up the game because lanyards suck. You're right. I'm lucky for Siege of Vicksburg. I get them from my local comic shop. You know, they're branded with their name, so they give them to me to put on. And yeah. Well, but, you know, how about, how about a convention nose ring? <laughs> Just like a nose ring goes right in your nose. It's got a or little tattoo in there. There you go. Authorized for like a, a little barcode on your arm. Yeah, there you go. That'll play well down here. <laughs> oh. What no, nose rings? No, just the barcode tattoo. So you know, yeah. safe. Oh yeah. And whatnot. Oh yeah. 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 Mark of the Beast. Very 1970s. So um, <laughs> I've uh, caught up. Like uh, Star Trek Picard is amazing. I will say if you watched season one and or two and were like, nah, this is just awful, I highly recommend it. Yeah, season three is the best ever. It's just amazing. And it has that guy from 12 Monkeys, the TV show, who, I mean, he's basically a character actor. He kind of just plays a smarmy jackass in every um thing he does but uh in fact he describes himself as just an asshole from chicago in uh star trek picard so uh Uh, it's great i don't know if you guys i I enjoyed seasons one and two to be honest um season two dragged a little in the middle but uh yeah i enjoyed both of them Uh, but somewhere around the end of season two we sort of dropped off the entire new star trek cycle uh, we are not caught up on discovery we are way behind on um, strange new worlds uh, i just started watching the new season of lower decks oh wow yeah it's really good um, i've yeah. kind of fallen off of strange new worlds also it's uh i still have like the last episode to go it yeah. uh the whole thing started to feel like a job. Like, oh, there's more Star Trek. Oh, oh, there's, it's like that scene in uh, I Love Lucy at the Candy Factory. Oh, where it just keeps coming. It just keeps Too coming. Much I gotta stuff. stuff it down my gullet and in my blouse and just carry it around. Uh, well, I don't know if you guys, on the opposite side of the coin, uh, what about The Mandalorian? Are you guys watching or? We are. It's on um, my list. Uh, my children really like it. My uh, my my nine and eleven year old, and so we are caught up on that. 
and uh, watching each week now as it comes out this time. Yeah, it's I mean, it's no spoilers really to talk about this part, but I like how you're starting to see development in uh, the New Republic. Like, you know, because I mean, remember the Mandalorian is set prior to uh, before the um, the last trilogy of movies. And yeah, it's, it's shortly post Jedi, right? Yeah. And so how how did all that stuff happen? You know? How, how did the, mm-hmm. you know, last three, you know, just instantly wipe out the New Republic and, you know, you had the, resi- the resistance, the First Order and all that. So you're kind of starting to see that. You're seeing, like, um, the New Republic is just like, ah, we don't need Star Destroyers or anything. Or even, like, our regular ships, you know, we should just rule via politics, you know. And, yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, so that was an it- interesting episode. Isn't it wasn't there? A, it was a major power. Was it? It might have been the United States that um, before World War One, didn't they kind of say, well, we don't want to get involved in any of the, the crap that's going on in Europe. So they kind of they we kind of uh, basically kind of started giving up parts of our uh, military, as I recall. Uh, yeah, because yeah, uh, World War One was so bad. They nobody okay. wanted to do that again way too many too it was horrific all these you know all these people died you know, and you know no one wanted to do that again so we well i was thinking it was even before that we were that, uh, um before yeah oh uh before somebody was a isolationist um yeah uh, um before coolidge sure <laughs> I don't Wilson, know. Wilson got us into World Wilson, War One, but there's that's a the guy. yeah, yes. there's a strong. Uh, prior to World War One, there was a strong, strong feeling in the United States, uh, born out of what was it, Washington's farewell address at the end of his presidency, saying, "Stay hmm. out of foreign wars, stay out of Europe. Europe is a mess." And then a couple presidents later, or half a dozen maybe some some dude named monroe came along and established the monroe doctrine which was basically yeah, okay uh, the western hemisphere is the united states sphere of influence and europe needs to stay out of that and that's you know that's that's held fairly strong and every once in a while europe gets into such a mess that uh we rouse ourselves into oh now we've got to go fight in europe again and then we, we retreat back like like Adam said so, at the end, after World War One, we did. We went through a kinda, huge scrapyard thing, and uh-huh. now we're kind of looking at it so again. So going back to the Mandalorian, the Republic is kind of doing the same sort of thing. We don't want to fight anymore. We just want to want to govern and and uh, prosper, I guess. Right. You know, it makes sure you know everybody can uh, vote. An apt analogy. Know, and have technology. An apt analogy. Oh, an apt analogy. Oh, sorry. oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, but it's just really neat to see, and they're apparently, uh, they did sort of the same thing at the end of the Clone Wars, where they were just, you know, started scrapping, you know, ships and and whatnot, and then well, they ended up um uh, taking that scrap and turning it into like the big Imperial fleets or some shit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently some of the Republic, uh, the Rebel Alliance ships were actually leftover Clone War stuff. So I don't know. It's but it's just neat to see. I and you also get to see just like people fucking walking around, like eating ice cream, you know, being tourists, it, you know, that kind of thing. It's just really right. interesting. There's a there's mm-hmm. a it's a it is a nice. Um, the world is larger than the Skywalker clan kind of thing. Um, That's hard where, where, yeah, <laughs> they're wandering around eating ice cream. They're not, not supposed to touch the tourist traps, that kind of thing. <laughs> well, it's, um, I was also reminded on those shots of, uh, Coruscant, uh, that did that, didn't that planet get destroyed in the new trilogy? I think, did it? I yeah. It, I'm almost yeah. I'm almost positive. Uh, the New Order shot it with their Death Star shotgun. 
Oh. Uh, See, we've watched no, those movies, but I didn't. Uh, I don't remember. That would have been the second film, right? Circular Base. That yeah. wasn't Naboo, was it? Let's see. Come on, fanboys. The Honesian cat. Oh, yeah. Trust me. Somebody are absolutely <laughs> screaming at their um, <laughs> thing. The Honesian cataclysm. The Starkiller incident. Uh, the annihilation of blank, 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 blank. Well, yeah. ho- OK, OK. I got confused because it said the capital of the New Republic was destroyed, which was apparently hosian prime so okay it uh i when they said capital i thought that um it was corazon so oh all right so apparently they moved the capital at some point yeah 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 that new republic the fall of Corazon. wikipedia to the rescue (laughs) despite being a part of the new republic the planet actually fell under the control of the criminal syndicates after the empire's fall Hmm. so Bad things are happening. Uh, well, but we haven't seen them yet. That's true. It's true. And uh, look, I back to Picard. I love where it is right now. And we have, I think, five more episodes. Just freaking awesome. Can't wow. wait. Wow. All right. But uh, in all that, I have uh, also been rewatching um, one of my favorite shows is from 1999 called Third Watch. It's uh, covers the lives of New York cops, firemen and paramedics. And, it, you know, it's just it's one of those shows, you know, a cop show Did or I a fireman you? show. I don't think so. I'm still here. Are you still here? OK, yep. okay. I can hear you now. Right. OK. But, uh, yeah, I dig it. And it's I was so happy to see it was on. What is that? Pluto, I think. It's oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's either on Pluto or Peacock, one of those P words. And <laughs> I discovered it after watching Southland on there. I'd never watched Southland outside the pilot years ago and I loved it. And so I watched it and man, it great show ends badly. But that's you know, pretty pretty standard. I want to complain a little bit about Peacock because I looked up uh Poker Face, which I thought was a pretty good show while I I watched the first episode. Well, now they want me to subscribe for five bucks a month to watch any more episodes. And I and I wanted to watch that and I want to watch Night Court. So I got to see one episode of each. And now they want five bucks a month for that. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm sure I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. Yeah, but, it'll it'll eventually move like over to um, Hulu or something like that. Uh-huh. But I did enjoy Poker Face for sure. Everybody, everybody says it's good. Yeah, long. everybody says it's good. Uh, I have not watched it, but everyone says it is great, and I like mm-hmm. uh, the lead. What's her name? Natasha Leon. Yeah, oh, I'm a big I, fan of hers. I have one one little quibble at the beginning, the very first episode. There was um, a hotel room where a guy came out of a room where there shouldn't have been a room, based on the hallway outside. Unless that other room was in a pocket dimension or something, because the hallway was straight. <laughs> and then, like, I'm looking at the architecture, sort of like, where the hell did he come from? That that bugged me. But I, I I eventually got over it and forgave it. Well, you should be playing liminal space. <laughs> there you go. Plug, ding, send us a dollar. <laughs> uh, so what's, what's the it? premise? What's the premise of um, Third Watch? Like, it's a, just a straight-ahead drama? Oh, uh, yeah. And, you know, it's, okay, like, you know, uh, geeky sci-fi shows generally have, like, Monster of the Week. Yeah. Well, you know, cop shows have, like, you know, Criminal of the Week or Situation of the Week, you know, whatever it is. Right, right. Car car wreck, baby, you know, woman's pregnant or something, or kidnapping victim. You know, it's pretty yeah, formulaic. Okay. But would you say it's more or less cartoony than NCIS? I would say less. <laughs> uh, I I really I really do. You know, it's it's you know they try to play for realism, and it okay. also also I'll say like if you just look at the IMDb, there's a ton of people in it that went on to 
careers. I'm not saying big careers, <laughs> but they definitely went on to co-star in some things, you know, or continue oh, to work hey. in television. So Kobe Bell yep. from uh, Burn Notice. Yep. All right. And the, the only other thing I watched, um, and I had I had honestly never seen it. And since the new one was coming out at the end of the month, uh, got a oh, group, no. group of people together and watched the 2000s uh, Dungeons and Dragons movie. With Jeremy Where Irons? Where did you find that? Uh, I bought it digitally okay. uh, right. on Vudu is, is where I got it. Okay. I, I think it cost me 10 bucks. So, but yeah, you're right. No place had it streaming. So I was like, ah, I'll buy it, whatever. I'm sure I'll watch it at least one or two times. Because we just talked over it the whole way, just making fun of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the CGI in it is like PlayStation 1 graphic level. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is green screen. and The green screen part really isn't bad. Uh, it kind of looks like they're that simple building or whatever it's supposed to be but it's when they there's this massive cgi fight just kind of a scrum a big mess of dragons and that's where it all falls apart man do they look bad just really Hmm. really bad um so that's the jeremy irons right oh yes oh my god okay i assume he michael caned this movie where he just did it (laughs) did it for the check Okay. And but he fucking had he did not uh, call <laughs> this in. He did not. He cranked that shit up to 11. <laughs> Chew that scenery, bitch. Yes, because we, we just we would just stop and watch him like every line delivery is just so over the top. My friend yep. uh, was like he was he's like, oh, my God, this is like local theater bad, you know, local theater production of Shakespeare, <laughs> you know, where the guy. Yeah, Oh, old actor that could have been something and she's got something to prove. Yeah. Oh God. That he fucking makes the movie. Thor Birch is in it. That's the only other person you'd recognize. And the yeah. younger people she, I had over said who? She was the daughter in American Beauty. Yep. And then that gave to the whole discussion of like, wait, the chick with the big boobs that was naked, and yes, she was fifteen in that. Um, and she has no, like she, that was the other that was her friend who was um I cannot remember her no uh Mia, Mina Savari Sor, uh, Sorvino yes nope that's different Mina Savari oh, Suvari yeah yes yep. <laughs> yes different yeah. one okay. um <laughs> but yeah they were both naked in there um so I I was very surprised they had never heard of her and so i go to imdb and she i mean she's been working apparently Mm -hmm. she was in her last big thing was the walking dead from 2020 that's the only thing i recognize uh Mm -hmm. she was nine episodes she was mary i guess or gamma i can't tell uh but yeah she was in ghost world you know she was kind of an indie movie uh, darling Mm -hmm. there for a while and yeah, just she was in the hole, which was really good uh, with Kira Knightley. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. She's just she's well, definitely like working. But yeah. the the character of Deb from uh, Napoleon Dynamite. So that actress was, and I cannot remember her name, was in Waterworld when she was like twelve, and oh, then did nothing okay. until Napoleon Dynamite. Wow, she was holding out. She's like, yeah. no, no, no. She kept going to auditions like, nah, it's not right for me. No, 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 no. This, this isn't it. <laughs> it's not it. So, so uh, I, I, I jumped the gun a little bit talking about poker face. So I don't, can I throw that in here now? Yeah, absolutely. OK. All right. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. The, you know, she um, the character can always tell when people are lying and she kind of pieced it together. The. Her her friend was was murdered and she kind of pieced it together and figured out why. And at the end of the episode, um, she came under the scrutiny of a big uh, uh, casino boss who now has he's like, I got nothing but time to chase you down. Because, you know, she messed around with his business and now he's he's after her. 
and that 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 casino boss is played by um oh beauty and the beast guy a uh, hellboy sons of anarchy oh ron perlman ron perlman yes so he plays the main antagonist in the show so okay and a peacock may end up getting five bucks out of me anyway we'll see um is it Peacock exclusive or is NBC going to broadcast it over the air? It's, that is it's an exclusive. Yeah. That is a good point. My guess is because it's so popular, I would think they may air it at some point, but I don't know. Mm. I don't know how things work between popularity of, well, it streamed really well, but yeah, well, it, yeah I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. The uh, IMDb shows it as TVMA in 58 minutes, so there would have to be some adjusting of content. There is some profanity in it. There's no there's no nudity, uh, but there is profanity. And 58 minutes is a long runtime for a oh yeah broadcast. Yeah, PBS would have been it would have been 56:46 for PBS standard, <laughs> but um, well, I'm serious. It would have because that would you could put the the breaks in for that. However, for television, they want to cram more commercials in. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. No, there's, there's just, you know, everybody can't rely on Viking Cruise Lines. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> so what else have you guys been watching? Uh, we watched uh, The Law According to Lydia Poet. It's a Netflix, it's a current release on Netflix, one season out. Um, it's an Italian law and family drama set in the late 19th century and based on a real person. Lydia Poet is an attorney. She's qualified as an attorney, but in the town of Turin, where she lives, she's not allowed to practice law because women don't do that. And so it's got a, a fairly basic mystery of the week structure with an overarching, uh, I want to get my law license uh, enacted plot. She lives mm-hmm. with her brother, who is an attorney, and he's sort of um, providing a shield for her to do her business. Um but he's also conflicted about that because it puts his own business at risk if he's found out to be helping her too much. It's a it's a good it's a good um, moderately light drama. Uh, we are watching it with subtitles and it's got um, dub, but you can clearly see that it was an Italian production from that. Uh, so it's a it's an entertaining show. It's a, it's a good one. We enjoyed it. How does mm-hmm. it compare to a single female lawyer? I could not say. If you've watched Futurama, that was ah, <laughs> yeah, it, that was their parody of uh, Ally McBeal <laughs> was sing, yeah, single female lawyer. All right, yeah. it's nothing like Ally McBeal. <laughs> I can say that with confidence. <laughs> um, and then uh, I've been dipping back in and out of the Rockford Files, uh, which. I watched all the way through and it was, you know, you talked me into checking that out. Oh yeah. How do you feel about that? Yeah. So I, um, well, so I saw the first, uh, two part pilot episode with Lindsay Wagner and man, she is a good looking woman. Um, it's, um, you know, there were a lot of just, um, panorama shots and, uh, sequences that like, today would be like this you got to put more content in here because you know yeah. here's here's a, a a hillside and we're going to pan across the hillside and and then we're going to go across the highway and then we're going to see the surf and everything so like if you're it is kind of a time capsule for uh California of the 1970s for sure so that was kind of interesting to see how how yeah. much the filmmaking sort of changed the pacing uh, definitely uh, throughout the series is um, is is definitely slower than what we are accustomed to today. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked it up because I've been listening to a podcast called 200 a Day, and uh, the uh, the two hosts of that uh, they jump around in sequence, basically choosing episodes that they remember enjoying and rewatching them, and then breaking them mm. down. Okay. Uh, and and uh, I watched the Rockford Files. I think it was on A and E when I was watching it, um, and ran it all the way through. Uh, it's on 
it's on the Roku channel right now, at least the uh, the original series episodes. There were also some 1990s era TV movies that uh, are in continuity. And so Rockford is older and everybody else is older. Um, uh, I would right. say I would say um, it's a show that does not necessarily reward faithful viewing of every episode in order. It's very much a show of the week kind of show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was a, looking... it's a lot harder to do that uh, without the Internet. Like, I think the Internet has kind of uh, uh, lent itself to making those shows and have them to be episodic uh, episode after episode with a oh. continuity through the whole season. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Those season long arcs. Um, and I, I can talk for hours on like the origins of that and early shows that did like the shield and anyway so right right oh, okay um and my favorite example of an early show that did that is babylon 5 yeah uh, one of the interesting things about the rockford files is that david chase um maybe didn't get his start there but did a lot of his early work there and so uh, the people and running the podcast david are chase is the sopranos okay, sorry, he's the sopranos guy okay Oh, oh, all right. That's okay. right. Okay. Yeah. And so um if you if you chase down those episodes, um those are those are always very good. Hmm. All right. right. IMDB is right there to help you pick and choose. Huh. All right. Cool. I'm trying to think like what show could I actually do that on, like comfortably. Like with stuff I've watched over and over. It would definitely be sci-fi. Yeah, Stargate, Babylon 5. Um, usually those more than anything, I think. I don't. I couldn't trust myself to do Star Trek. I don't think I've actually rewatched enough. I mean, I've seen oh, all of... Yeah. I break seen them the down episodically, things. you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh. you know, th- like this week we're talking about... A month yeah. time, you know, and and the way they do it is that they pick the show a couple of weeks mm-hmm. out and watch it with their notebooks out. Ah. So they're not going cold. So you'd be fine. You <laughs> start your second podcast, Adam. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, in theory, it's that's supposed to be kind of what the Always Sunny podcast is doing. But they've gone way oh. off the rails with that. <laughs> right. <you know>? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they really forget a lot that they were supposed to be talking about in an entire episode. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. so uh, what have you guys been playing? Oh, what have I been playing? So my wife is has set a uh, goal for the year to play a game a day and we're like way behind it, but um, we're trying to kind of knock these out. So we played a bunch of these Haba games. So Haba, they make most, well, initially they started making just kids games, but now they've done it, gone into moved into family games. And so we played a bunch of these um, very simple, um, you know, this is for seven to 99 year old people. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so I'm going to go through a bunch of them here. So th- there's a game called Heckmeck, or the, the version we have is called Heckmeck Barbecue. And it's a push your luck game where you're throwing dice and uh, you if you get to a particular number, if you get to like more than 25, you can put a token on. Um, so you roll, you're throwing six dice and you can only keep one of each number when you throw the, the pool. So like if I get two fives, I have to keep and I want to keep fives. So that's 10 points. Now, any other rolls after that, I can't keep any fives that I roll. But if I roll like four sixes, well, I'm at 24 plus 10, I'm at 34. So that's a pretty darn good roll. Um, and so I'm going to stop and stick on that. Um, so, and you can, if somebody rolls your number and you don't have it like uh, protected, they can knock you off. And so it's a, uh, it's a fun little uh, press your luck game. It's kind of more of a family game than a, than a kid's game. Um, and that's a uh, heck mech. And then Monza is a, it's a race game. So you get cards and you can only move to the color that's adjacent to you on the track so the track is split into three lanes and if you play a blue card then you can move to the blue space so you gotta kind of plan your route out and get as far as you can go and it's uh it's a little racing game and then uh pharaoh's gula gula is uh it's themed around you know going in and, and robbing the temple um so you move ahead and when you get to a spot 
you may have to try to pull a marble out of the bowl. Well, there's a top-heavy staff that's sitting inside of the bowl, and every time you grab a marble out of it, the staff wants to, like, tip a little bit. And if it ever falls out of the bowl, then you have to, like, go back to the start, essentially. And then uh, Animal Upon Animal, and we have a couple different versions of this game. And it's just, it's the, the wooden figures, wooden animals you're stacking on top of each other. And if you get all your animals stacked without top, toppling over your uh, your tower, then you've won. So that's a good game for, you know, for kids and parents. Um, and then Flinka Flitzer. And it's basically it's parking your cars. So you have a, an assortment of, of little colored cars. And uh, if you play a card, you know, you can park it in that space. So it's sort of a matching game uh, and learning your colors. And then um, Mummy's Treasure. I don't remember that one. So I'm going to skip that. Oh, um, I had a question. Yes. Okay. What is, what is a polyamino? Uh, so that's like the uh, what? Uh, oh, okay. That's right. So that's like uh, Tetris pieces. Oh, okay, I remember okay. this now. Yeah. But anyway, it's um, I don't know. I'll come. I'll I'll play it again, and I'll I'll come back with more information later. Uh, and then sock and zocken. Uh, basically, it's matching socks, but the socks are all very <laughs> similarly colored. So like each sock has a pair, and you just dump them out on the table, and you start and you go. Um, and, so kind of a uh, race. But so like it'll be like this is sock has a white toe and a yellow body to the sock and a red and a green stripe. And there's like a bunch of other socks that are like maybe the colors are reversed or it's all the same except for the color on the toe. So you sure. really have to pay attention to match the socks up. And then uh, treasure hunting. I forget what the German name for this was. Uh, we did not care for this game, but it's a. Uh, so in the it's a grid of 25 by or it's five by five tiles and you move your pirate onto a map onto the map flip the tile over and it'll show which exit you can go to well if it's a dead end you of course have to back up um but if there's a you can a path so i'm going to go to the right well i when i move i flip over the tile that i'm on and i go to the one on the right and then basically you have to remember where you've been and where you want to go and how to get to the center of the grid to get the treasure and get back out before um, there's some kind of an animal that's after your critter. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, the treasure hunting game. So we've played a bunch of these Haba games that we've collected throughout the years. Um, and then I'm going to kind of skip through some of these that I have. Um, Rubik's Race. Is anybody familiar with Rubik's Race from the 80s? No. No. It's, it's it a two-player game. So it's like one of those sliding, um, what is it called? The King's King's Grid, King's Puzzle, where it's like 1 through oh. 15, yeah. and you slide the things around. So there's a shaker that you shake up with colored cubes in it, and it makes a Rubik's Cube face. You set that down, and then it's a race between you and the person on the other side of you moving your tiles around to match that face. Oh. And when you've completed it, then you flip the thing down, and you've you've got the... You've got the combination before the other person. Um, so this is a game that I got maybe when I was 13, and I've had it for ages. Um, and it's a it's a fun racing game, you know, match the pattern. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Oh, I'm okay. So but still been playing D and D, and I'm I'm kind of maybe moving into doing some DMing. Um, my Pretty much my entire third edition career was spent in a setting called the Scarred Lands. And this was a campaign setting that was made by White Wolf, the same people that did Werewolf and Vampire the Masquerade and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's a post-apocalyptic uh, fantasy setting where there's been this divine war between the Titans and the gods. Uh, but it didn't happen in antiquity. It only happened 150 years ago. So if you're an elf or a dwarf or some other long-lived race, you may have distant memories of fighting in this war. Or um, if you're a human, you may have had a grandparent that was part of the Divine War. Well, the Divine War has kind of shattered and scarred the, the landscape. So it's a very uh, hostile world of kind of dark fantasy. Or there was I was listening to a, an interview about it. And they were talking about it's kind of like heavy metal D&D, which we're going <laughs> to talk about a little bit of that later on. Um, 
So anyway, I'm I'm kind of excited because Scarred Lands was made for third edition, but it's been ported to fifth edition by a company called Onyx Path. Um, so I'm excited to uh, maybe start DMing in there. And they have a uh, what first level to tenth level or maybe beyond Adventure Path um, module that I think uh, will do. That's in the future. Um, and I think the last game I want to talk about here is called Herstory, which uh, this is the same company that put out uh, trekking through the national parks, uh, the various trekking games. Um, Herstory is uh, basically it's women in history, notable women um, like uh, Malala Yousafzai is, has a card. Um, and it's the gameplay is okay. It really, the, I think the, the draw is, of course, the the artwork and the um, the little bios on the back of each card that kind of talk about women in history. Um, it's a it's a uh, I guess you'd call it a recipe collection sort of game where each card has a particular sort of symbols that it contributes to to uh, a win condition. So if you have like like three microscopes and two books then that's that's what you need to collect this card, which is for points. Um, and that's uh, Herstory, which is, uh, the like I say, the gameplay is okay. Really, I think the draw is the uh, um, is the women's history. So, the additional content. Yes, yeah. As they uh, say. And so, yeah, for sure. So that's, uh, that's what I've been playing. Adam, what are you up to? I... <clears throat> played a little known indie game called Root. You've probably never heard of it, you know, by Cole Worley. I, I think I I played it once or twice. Yeah, it's just a real small game, you know. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's my first uh, time actually really leaning into. I played multiple factions with a friend as we were trying to get a feel for them. And then played mm-hmm. several times. We cannot seem to get four players, though. Every single time, one person cancels. So, oh. yeah. And and we're dying to try it, you know, to see, like, how it all works with that. It plays really interesting and really fast with two players, you know, because it's like you're both all over mm-hmm. the map. And, and yeah, so. Is it got, like a, a war game? Uh, yeah, that's the thing is it, uh, what do they call it? It's, it's, it's a, it's war a cute game. war game. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I, I could see like how it could be attractive to people that do euros and, and stuff like that. You know, it, it's got some neat little things. E- each faction is completely fleshed out perfectly and have their own strengths and weaknesses and the cool shit they can do. And it's basically the, you're trying to well you each have different um reasons for wanting to win the cats technically the marquee cats technically uh own the woods they rule and you actually have the woodland alliance which are in uh revolt to them and you know <laughs> you've got uh the birds which are you know doing their own thing and uh the other one is the vagabond who's just playing both sides and yeah it's cool i like it. it's it got a ton of expansions which i immediately started getting you know when your friends actually are interested in playing something you jump on it to you know to kind of keep right. it moving and this works out really good because it doesn't take that long to play it's got a lot of good strategy to it and like i said a ton of expansions are out for it shannon i think you would be all in on on root oh okay i do and that one i don't know i got uh, i got a little annoyed uh with my local shop it was they had root sitting there at msrp and i thought there was a uh, they did a board gaming discount but apparently they don't and so MSRP is like 59. They had it listed uh, at 60 and it was 47 on Amazon. So, you know, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, I just, it's just something wrong with paying MSRP for anything. 
nowadays, you know. But mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, I am getting them to order some expansions and stuff. But still, I don't know. Couldn't buy it there. Anyway, uh, the only other thing I finally ordered some Bot War uh, from Traders Galaxy. I've interviewed uh, this guy before that runs it. It's essentially the factions in the game are based on like 1980s toys. Like it's heavy Transformers, but there's also G.I. Joe mask uh, is in here and uh, Dino Riders and a couple more. And uh, the robots have cool things they can do. They can even be combined like Voltron into bullshit. And yeah, but I don't know. (laughs) I always wanted to do it. And since I've been cleaning out my... um, storage and getting rid of stuff that i never play and making a good bit of money i was like well why don't i just actually order some stuff that i want to play yeah or try out so anyway shannon you've been playing chess tic-tac-toe <laughs> it is march's reading month for my youngest uh child and one of the reading incentives is uh is like a checklist of uh topics to read about and one of them is read the rules of chess and play it with somebody. And another was teach somebody tic-tac-toe. So uh, we played we played chess with our Muppet chess set, and he whooped me. <laughs> he he beat me pretty hard. I, I got distracted for one move, and before I knew it, I was done for. And then when we played tic-tac-toe, uh, I, I took it as an opportunity to teach him how to teach somebody something. So every every step along the way, I was full of questions about why he's doing that. What does this mean? How does this mean? Oh, I get to go twice because I've got two lines in my X and that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so that was good. And then I made him write down all the rules and put numbers next to them because um, it's never enough to just read something in our household. You've also got to demonstrate that you actually did it, because I do not believe you when you tell me that you read something. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. We're like, well, all right, well, tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. You don't really understand it till you can explain it to somebody else. Which so, uh, I played a game. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say, um, I, the latest episode of South Park is all about Chat GPT and about like students getting it to write papers. And the uh-huh. then the teachers don't want to actually read them, so they have Chat B- GPT read them and grade them. So yeah, uh, yeah. So in the first instance, I'm surprised that such a sentence as "in the new South Park" can even exist. Um, oh yeah, twenty something years later, it's yeah, for thirty years, whatever it is, we're still going. Shortly after I got my. Um, bachelor's degree i heard that one of the colleges that i dropped out of was starting to use a tool that uh did in fact read students papers to flag them for plagiarism and this was easily 20 years ago um oh yeah so, my, my college used it uh yeah it was, uh turn it yeah it, i think it, yeah it, it was a subscription was service that the um the school paid for and we had to upload our papers to it and it immediately spit it out for the i guess using ai uh spit it out for the teacher to then determine yeah yeah it was um yeah i was livid uh about that because basically i'm paying a class and paying a university to then sell my work find out if other people oh. are cheating and i was i was livid about that notion fortunately i was out of college at that point and didn't have to worry about it um I, so I expected I you to tell me that GPT. Oh, sorry. I expect, I'm sorry. I expected you to say that in the in the latest South Park about Chat GTP, they had just let the software write the episode. Uh well, supposedly they <laughs> did. There's a section uh where they do it as a joke and then do it, and it's actually credited at the end of it. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> All right. So I asked Chat GPT. GPT just now, is South Park a good show? It says whether or not South Park is a good show is subjective and depends on personal taste. 
South Park is a satirical animated television show that uses humor to comment on current events and societal issues. The show is known for its irreverent humor and offering controversial content. Some people find the show hilarious and appreciate its commentary, while others find it offensive and crass. If you enjoy satire and irreverent humor, you may find South Park to be a good show. But if you're easily offended or do not appreciate humor that pushes boundaries, you may not enjoy the show as much. Ultimately, it's up to you. It's a very sophisticated seventh grader. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess it's about sponsor time, and we have Mike over at Ultra Dementia. Maybe he can 3D print you a chat GPT model. I don't know. Will chat GPT design 3D stuff? Maybe. I don't know. But they can't print it. Mike can. So go over there. I know it will write G code. Okay. It'll, nice. it'll write 3D printing code. So yeah. use the discount code uh, COG2019. That's been, golly, that's old now. Like almost four years old, five years old. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. S- still works. There you go. Get 20% off your order. So anyway, uh, in attempting to be laser focused on episodes uh, and not talk about a lot of new stuff, I always cut these bits out and put them over on Anchor as well. So uh, we wanted to talk about Mortborg, a fun little game that um, I've played a few times. And Sweet. I want to talk about where I discovered Borkborg. In the OSR um, subreddit, somebody did this post, and I noticed the company that makes Borkborg, um, uh, I don't know, I don't, I Ocular for you. Anyway, they, the official Borkborg Twitter tweeted this as this is their favorite Borkborg review. And it's this one from uh, Reddit <laughs> that talks about Borkborg has the worst layout I've ever seen. Useless pictures that convey no information. Layout derived from uh, high school art class collages. Make this an instant dump dumpster fire. And um, I just found that fascinating that the company actually um, responded and they did the quote: "I don't even care about the game at this point. Just looking at the book makes me want to set it on fire." Unquote. They responded <laughs> with, "Can we use this for marketing purposes?" So, yeah, uh, it's that's what got me interested in it. And, yeah, the art is, I think, 90% of Mortborg is this crazy, super gothic-y, heavy metal, and sort of kind of high school edgelord art. What do you guys think? <laughs> right. what do you th- yeah, what do you guys I, think I of the art? I have to agree. I, yeah, it's very much kind of, um, yeah, like your uh, – uh, uh, Cinderella posters, you know, the the metal, the hairband from uh, from the 80s. It's very hairband. And I must say, you know, it talks about the, the music that's in there, music that helped. I've heard of none of those bands ever. Oh, they'd there. be Nordic, wouldn't they? Uh, maybe, yeah. Scandinavian? Let's see. Uh, let's see what page is that on. It's um, right inside the first fly uh, copyright let's page. See. Ah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> thanks to music that helped. Mm, wow. Um, I do love that it's in alphabetical order, but <laughs> I mean, there's some really okay. I've heard Godspeed, you Black Emperor, because they're like weird okay. noise. Um, also, uh, Sun Zero slash ever ever how you say that. Uh, I've heard of that guy on Reddit as well. For being just kind of like weird music, but yeah, those thirty other bands I have not heard of. So okay, I guess it's just kind of yeah, I would think Swedish death metal. Yeah, the, uh, but yeah, the the art and the layout, um, every every page or every spread gives you the opportunity to unpack the implicit world as well as uh, suffer through the. Wait, is that paragraph an important paragraph, or is that there just to mess with me, or does it belong with the paragraph before? Um, it's nice that there is a bare bones edition PDF that you can pick up on itch, <laughs> so that if the typefaces and the and the art get in the way, you can, you can still follow along the rules. Uh, yeah, I, we'll get more into that. Like if you like, just for instance, go to like weapons. And it shows uh, femur does D4, but on the opposite art, it shows you what each one, each one that does, like a bow, a sword does D6, 
yeah. uh, a Warhammer D6 knife D4, but it's yeah, it's there in the art. Yeah, yeah. Um, the actual overall story of Borkborg, the setting that you play in, is a grim, dark, post-apocalyptic kind of thing. The apocalypse is happening, and what you're trying to do in Borkborg is either A, prevent it, or B, make enough money to live comfortably and hopefully die before it happens. So that's kind of your uh, inspiration. And the classes are really cut down, too, because uh, they're all, like, bad people, more or less. Uh, I just know, like, my personal favorite is the Thief, uh, which is gutter-born scum. (laughs) And, like, you have Mm -hmm. a bad birth, like, uh, dumped onto a moving shit cart while still in your birth call. Uh, mother hanged from a tree, you fell from the corpse, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And yeah. you're, you're just this gross, awful dude. And, and it's, uh, it was interesting that the, the classes are optional. Like you can roll up a character and make your way in the world, or you can choose one of the classes and, and build your character out, uh, under class guidance, I guess. Now, um, I wanted to dig out like a bunch of my crap that I had for it. Uh, like Forbidden Psalm is one is somebody turned it into a tabletop miniature game. And that was like right up my alley. Uh, <laughs> so I got that. And then there is a um, like a, a campaign called In the Footsteps of the Mad Wizard. I mean, essentially, you're playing Frostgrave. Except except it's Borkborg, you know, it's that kind of thing, so it's more gross and stuff. <coughs> um, I mean, I have, let's see, The Demon's Arse by Tom, Tom Wilson. I had to get that. It was an introductory uh, I- adventure called The Demon's Arse. Um, uh, the Child Must Die, Sacrifice Before... Uh, Sun, uh, Sunrise, also by Tom Wilson. He did a little Kickstarter, and I got a handful of them um, right. in hardback. I'd picked up a couple uh, from Loot the Room, Chris Bissett in England. Uh, the God of Many Faces, which is a little brochure. It's like six panels. Uh, quick adventure there. And another one called Treasures of the Troll King. A little pamphlet, a uh, little bit longer. Uh, also leaning heavily into that kind of Morkborg art style, uh, especially in this pamphlet, 30 pages. I swear, I think it's like required. Um, you know, if you do a thing for Morkborg, it has to has to be, you know, has to have cool art. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it draws you in as a creator and just gets the juices flowing. Roy, uh, did any characters jump so, out at you? I'm sorry, I'm feverishly trying to find the, my copy of it. I don't have a copy of it I'm looking at right now. So it's, oh, okay. That's cool. I wholeheartedly apologize. I'm trying to get figure it out. I was just, yeah, just curious if there was a particular uh, well, class or whatever that, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. And as far as like the artwork, I do remember from page 13, there is an illustration that kind of spun me out. Oh, uh, it, it but looks, I don't remember what it was. Let's see. see. It is a Virgin Mary looking lady oh. pull, pulling a guy's head off. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's <laughs> that's right up there, I guess. Yeah. Kind of looks that way. This is bugging the hell out of me. I can't find that. So I'm sorry. Uh, this is based. I mean, it's OSR based, so it's. Um, I guess I say I I never know which one when they say you know it's an OSR type thing. I I never know if it's like white box, red box, black box, you know, whichever blue box, blue book. Uh, one they based on. I know they use what a D six, D eight, D twelve, D twenty. I think. Or all they do, or no, D4. There's, a, there's some fours in there. It's the standard thing, but it's not like DCC where it's weird. Right. You know. Um, 
which reminds me in my last mouse guard game um i was like okay there can you roll do we can you roll a d16 do we have a d16 and like oh yes they do uh absolutely (laughs) there is a dungeon crawl classics d16 i've got a dice rolling app that's got a d16 which is nice for that kind of situation so with Morkborg, a lots of people have done bestiaries and you know all kinds of stuff that really just crank this atmosphere up just fantastic i love uh the fact that it, it will help you uh <coughs> build your own world whatever you want to do run your own adventure with all the great tables and stuff in it like there's they have a d they have a 100 uh d100 adventure spark thing like powerful elixir needs ingredients slave revolt a dead demon is resurrected (laughs) right even more reasons to risk one's life yeah i think i'm gonna (laughs) once i finally finish going through um the mouse guard um uh, campaign i really want to run some more pork for my local group but we'll see I don't know. My local group, we don't really have a problem with uh, finding people to run stuff. It seems like everybody wants to. And that's so nice. Versus, you know, miniature gaming or whatever. You can try to find somebody to run a uh, a tournament. Good luck. Everybody just wants to play in it. So, anyway. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on Morkborg? This is a real small oh. book. It's... Um, Gosh, the last printed. Um, okay. less than 100 pages. I'd say it's probably about 75. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And a little adventure at the end. Nice little hardback. You know. It, so. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. I'm I'm doing this without the book. Uh, I do remember the uh, the adventure at the end. I like the bulleted room description. So I thought that was nice. Um, because um. As I recall, it was easy. It felt like it would be easy to kind of set the tone um, as needed, um, where you're just like, you know, if somebody asks a question, you have that information right there at hand. Um, things, so, right. Yeah. Things the seer may see, random encounters. The uh, the the Gonzo layout of the rule set uh, certainly got toned yes. down almost to zero. Uh, when it comes to here's a thing that you're going to want to run so here's the information you need and it's clear and um, Mm -hmm. and there's consistency like uh, there are a couple of different typefaces involved but they're used consistently to convey the same information each time a typeface appears so another thing that i have written down here i was reminded there is a movie called the navigator from 1988 uh, and it's it was an Australian or New Zealand movie, and it's set during a plague in the Middle Ages. And so this one character kind of has um, a second sight, and he has this vision that <laughs> the plague. I was no, just, oh, yeah. So they tunnel through the earth. Roy, and we, they, we, they pop we up and we, we lost you What's after that? right as you went to describe the vision, you stopped. Oh. Yeah, so sorry. We're like, oh, is he just paused for a long time? <laughs> Dramatic effect. So he had this vision of if they go and put a cross at the, uh, they have a golden cross that they put at the top of a church, that that's going to cure the plague and they'll be um, all all better. So they tunnel through the earth, and they uh, they finally break through the earth into uh, modern day Perth. I forget what the what the um, what the town was. So they go from the Middle Ages through the Earth to present day. You know, I'm just going to say Perth. Um, and they they're you know all these wondrous things of they go to a machine shop and there's like a grinding wheel there and one guy's kind of spinning the wheel trying to get the uh, so they can sharpen their their axe and the guy flips over reaches over and flips on the switch and oh well that's a heck of a lot easier to do it that way. Um, but the so the uh, the atmosphere of Morkborg in the book kind of reminded me of this movie called The Navigator. 
I will say that um, that movie is available currently on Tubi. All right. All right. According I remember to, seeing it in college. According to the internet here. Uh-huh. I've never heard of this. That does sound very fucking Morkborg, though. Yes. The first, Although, so the first part is is uh, is shot in black. No, shot in black and white. And then yeah. when they, they travel through the thing, then that goes into color. That's yeah. really cool. Why have I never heard of this? This seems like right up my alley. Hmm. And I would also expect a um, soundtrack done by Tangerine Dream or something like that. But. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't remember the Yeah, I don't remember any of that. The, um, the IMDb page has got a little clip on the front. That's pretty good looking. Um, so let's see. Some other things I remember from uh, page 17, there was the um, uh, if uh, what if the, if the apocalypse happens, then then you got to you got to destroy the book. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I, I forgot about that. Every so so many turns, you have to roll to see if the world ends. Like yeah. regardless as to whether or not you're trying to prevent it or not, you have to do like a check to see if it ends. So you may not even finish out your module. You know, yeah. you may be going to do whatever, and then all of a sudden, poof, it's over, done. And then. <laughs> yep. uh, my my last note that I have here, uh, magical sexually transmitted diseases, page forty-five. Uh, I could totally believe that in Mortborg. Um, God, it pisses me off. I can't find this. Oh, roll a d twenty and you roll a two. Yep. Uh, and you get you feel fine. It's fine. You pustulate with a magical STD. Those intimate with you will die of plague within D4 days and then rise as woeful, weeping zombies who track you down in your dreams before finding you in reality. Well, these this must be – oh, this is, Arca- this is the arcane catastrophe uh, table on a D20. Right. So that I think that is a use of magic table, right? Uh, it's the um, a spellcaster who rolls the same result twice explodes in screaming black fire. Uh, nope, that's the first thing. Um, this is arcane catalyst. I, I, I'm sorry, arcane <laughs> catastrophes. Yeah, you sorry. read it wrong. Yeah, this is arcane catastrophe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's um, I like it. there's a great damage chart, like where oh, you roll a 15 and one hand lacks a thumb and index finger grips like a lobster. So, uh, oh, sorry, those are just terrible traits, um, you know, where you can be bitter, deceitful, inferiority complex, all kinds of cool stuff to really do things. But, uh, yeah, that's Morkborg. Very popular. It's done a uh, free league. I know I think currently produces it and it's. Uh, they did Cyborg, which was the uh, sci-fi version. And like I said, at least third party, I swear, like 30 things come out every single um, month. It it really feels that way. And it has the worst layout this one person on Reddit had ever seen. So. <laughs> well, that's that's part of the charm, I think. It's kind of like performance art, but yeah. just in, in print. Uh, I guess on to... Uh, on your what's on your radar have we talked about the fifth season role-playing game i didn't know if you guys were familiar no. with it uh i've heard of that the fifth season it's a fantasy i've listened to the first book and liked it, it it's from the broken earth trilogy of novels by nk jesson jesson and uh, a world where constant and unstable tectonic and volcanic activity threaten all life so it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic fantasy. Something has happened, and on, it's supposed to be on Earth, and uh, a great calamity, and so everything is, you know, Middle Ages. There is magic, and yeah, most of it is around the Earth and tectonic plates and such. But it being a pretty big book, I was just curious if you guys had read it. Maybe you guys had read the rest of the series because I don't know much about it. No, I've never heard of no. it. No. 
but uh yeah i remember i have just i've listened to the first uh book and it was good but yeah it was a successful uh kickstarter so it is coming Mm -hmm. Um, not sure if I mentioned Rally the Troops. That's rally-the-troops.com, which allows you to play some a selection of Hex Encounter War games virtually. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's got Wilderness War, oh. Nevsky, Rommel in the Desert, Richard III, Hammer of the Scots, Crusader Rex, Julius Caesar, and uh, a couple more. And uh, I've just heard people talk about it. I have not played it myself. And um, is that about it? I'm trying to see if I talked about Windows. Yeah, I think I've already talked about Labyrinth Lord changing. So I won't put that on there. So, yeah, that's it. You know, kind of a more trimmed down, focused uh, podcast, you know. And I want to do that with interviews as well, maybe in the future. Being able to interview some of the people that maybe wrote these books that we talk about and whatever. Anyway. So, uh, anything else, you guys? Is that about it? Um, it's March. I am absolutely done with cold and winter, and I'm ready to ready to to, to blossom into a new spring. We got three spring inches is coming of snow up in a few days. Last two days. I know. I hate it. I could believe. I'll that melt it off today, though. It's been cold yeah. down here for for three days. Oh yeah. For whatever Oof. reason, it was 80 the week before. Do you have to put your long pants back on? Uh, Yeah, I did. Socks? I did, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's it's weird, you know, having to wear them outside of work, you know. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so. All right. Well, good night, everyone. Good night. Be well, be nice to each other. Good night.